Chapter Six of the Mystery of Clumber. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mystery of Clumber by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Chapter Six: How I Came to Be Enlisted as One of the Garrison of Clumber. To your room, girl, he cried in a hoarse, harsh voice, stepping in between us and pointing authoritatively toward the house. He waited until Gabriel, with a last frightened glance at me, had passed through the gap, and then he turned upon me with an expression so murderous that I stepped back a pace or two and tightened my grasp upon my oak stick. You, 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 he sputtered with his hand twitching at his throat as though his fury were choking him. You have dared to intrude upon my privacy. You think I built this fence that all the vermin in the country might congregate round it? No, you have been very near your death, my fine fellow. You will never be nearer until your time comes. Look at this! He pulled a squat, thick pistol out of his bosom. If you had passed through that gap and set foot on my land, I'd have let daylight into you. I'll have no vagabonds here. I know how to treat gentry of that sort, whether their faces are black or white. Sir, said I, I meant no harm by coming here, and I do not know how I have deserved this extraordinary outburst. Allow me to observe, however, that you are still covering me with your pistol, and that as your hand is rather tremulous, it is more than possible that it may go off. If you don't turn the muzzle down, I shall be compelled in self-defense to strike you over the wrist with my stick. What the uh, deuce brought you here, then? He asked in a more composed voice, putting his weapon back into his bosom. Can't a gentleman live quietly without your coming to peep and pry? Have you no business of your own to look after, Hm? Eh? Hm? Eh? My daughter, how came you to know anything of her? And what have you been trying to squeeze out of her? It wasn't chance that brought you here. No, said I boldly. It was not chance which brought me here. I have had several opportunities of seeing your daughter and of appreciating her many noble qualities. We are engaged to be married to each other, and I came up with the express intention of seeing her. Instead of blazing into a fury as I had expected, the general gave a long whistle of astonishment, and then leant up against the railings, laughing softly to himself. <laughs> English terriers are fond of nosing worms, he remarked at last. When we brought them out to India, they used to trot off into the jungle and begin sniffing at what they imagined to be worms there but the worm turned out to be a venomous snake, and so poor Doggy played no more. I think you'll find yourself in a somewhat analogous position if you don't look out. You surely don't mean to cast an aspersion upon your own daughter, I said, flushing with indignation. Oh, Gabrielle is all right, he answered carelessly. Our family is not exactly one, however, which I should recommend a young fellow to marry into. And pray, how is it that I was not informed of this snug little arrangement of yours? 
we were afraid sir that you might separate us i replied feeling that perfect candour was the best policy under the circumstances it is possible that we were mistaken before coming to any final decision i implore you to remember that the happiness of both of us is at stake it is in your power to divide our bodies but our souls shall be forever united my good fellow said the general in a not unkindly tone you don't know what you are asking for there is a gulf between you and any one of the blood of heatherstone which can never be bridged over all trace of anger had vanished now from his manner and given place to an air of somewhat contemptuous amusement my family pride took fire at his words the gulf may be less than you imagine i said coldly we are not clodhoppers because we live in this out-of-the-way place i am of noble descent on one side and my mother was a buckin of buckin i assure you that there is no such disparity between us as you seem to imagine you, you misunderstand me the general answered it is on our side that the disparity lies there are reasons why my daughter gabrielle should live and die single it would not be to your advantage to marry her but surely sir i persisted i am the best judge of my own interests and advantages since you take this ground all becomes easy for i do assure you that the one interest which overrides all others is that i should have the woman i love for my wife if this is your only objection to our match you may surely give us your consent for any danger or trial which i may incur in marion gabriel will not weigh with me one featherweight ah. <laughs> here's a young bantam exclaimed the old soldier smiling at my warmth it's easy to defy danger when you don't know what the danger is what is it then i asked hotly there is no earthly peril which will drive me from gabriel's side let me know what it is and test me no no, no. that would never do he answered with a sigh and then thoughtfully as if speaking his mind aloud he has uh, plenty of pluck and is a well-grown lad too we might do worse than make use of him he went on mumbling to himself with a vacant stare in his eyes as if he had forgotten my presence oh, look here west he said presently you'll excuse me if i spoke hastily a little time ago it is the second time that i have had occasion to apologize to you for the same offence it shan't occur again i am rather over particular no doubt in my desire for complete isolation but i have good reasons for insisting on the point rightly or wrongly i have got it into my head that some day there might be an organized raid upon my grounds if anything of that sort should occur i suppose i might reckon upon your assistance with all my heart so that uh, if ever you got a message such as come up or even clumber you would know that it was an appeal for help and would hurry up immediately even if it were in the dead of night most certainly i should i answered but might i ask what the nature of the danger is which you apprehend 
there would be nothing gained by your knowing. Indeed, you would hardly understand it if I told you. I must bid you good day now, for I have stayed with you uh, too long. Remember, I count upon you as one of the Clumber garrison now. One other thing, sir, I said hurriedly, for he was turning away. I hope that you will not be angry with your daughter for anything which I have told you. It was for my sake that she kept it all secret from you. All right, he said with his cold, inscrutable smile. I am not such an ogre in the bosom of my family as you seem to think. <laughs> as to this marriage question, I should advise you, as a friend, to let it drop altogether. But if that is impossible, I must insist that it stand over completely for the present. It is impossible to say what unexpected turn events may take. Good-bye. He plunged into the wood and was quickly out of sight among the dense plantation. Thus ended this extraordinary interview, in which this strange man had begun by pointing a loaded pistol at my breast, and had ended by partially acknowledging the possibility of my becoming his future son-in-law. I hardly knew whether to be cast down or elated over it. On the one hand, he was likely, by keeping a closer watch over his daughter, to prevent us from communicating as freely as we had done hitherto. Against this there was the advantage of having obtained an implied consent to the renewal of my suit at some future date. On the whole, I came to the conclusion, as I walked thoughtfully home, that I had improved my position by the incident. But this danger, this, this shadowy, unspeakable danger, which appeared to rise up at every turn and to hang day and night over the towers of Clumber, rack my brain as I would, I could not conjure up any solution to the problem which was not puerile and inadequate. One fact struck me as being significant. Both the father and the son had assured me, independently of each other, that if I were told what the peril was, I would hardly realize its significance. How strange and bizarre must the fear be which can scarcely be expressed in intelligible language! I held up my hand in the darkness before I turned to sleep that night, and I swore that no power of man or devil should ever weaken my love for the woman whose pure heart I had had the good fortune to win. End of chapter 6